0: You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. And so I'm going to read from Luke 2, 1 through 14. And uh, if you would just listen and just uh, ask the the Holy Spirit, we just ask you to open our hearts today. Let us receive from you we want your will to be done and your work to be done in our hearts in jesus name amen in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Corinius was governor of syria and he went to be registered each to his own town and joseph also went up from galilee from the town of nazareth to judea to the city of david which is called bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of david For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It's the birth announcement of all birth announcements. Because this is the announcement of the day when God entered our world to bring peace. It is a day that's different from any other day. When you hear Luke write, or the angel say, this day, something happened on this day that is unique in human history. And we're going to look at that this morning. And we'll just do three points. One is a surprising birth. And then a surprising birth announcement. And finally, shockingly, good news. So a surprising birth And you see in verses one through seven, I know you covered this last week, but it really sets up what's happening in the announcement well, so I'll just briefly cover it. Uh, You see you were introduced to one of the great Roman emperors of Roman history, uh, Gaius Octavius. He was the uh, step-grand-nephew of Julius Caesar, and he was, uh, you know, he's the guy who, if you've ever seen the movie Cleopatra, he battles Mark Antony, and defeats Mark Anthony at the Battle of Actium in 27 AD, and the Roman Senate names him Augustus, which means majestic. He is the first Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. He brought peace to the known world, the Pax Romana. And note the details in this. Luke is like, he wants us to know this is history. He wants us to know this this is real. Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, governor of Syria, and 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 Caesar Augustus is, is he's telling the whole world you got to be you got to be registered, you know what he's doing here, and uh, he he's flexing his muscle. His he wants his glory. He wants to make sure he gets his money. He wants everyone to register so his tax rolls can be increased and his glory can be increased. And so in the midst of this, Joseph, this. N- this unknown guy and his wife Mary, we learned introduced to them in the first chapter of Luke here, but they come from a small town up in Nazareth, and they're coming down in very humble circumstances, uh, hum, to a humble city, the city of Bethlehem, and they're born. This child is born. It says here that she gave birth to him and wrapped him in swallowing clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. In the end, and we don't know exactly what he, where he was born. Some people say a cave, some people say a stable, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is when this child came into the world, when he left the womb, you know, when your child is born, you, you think carefully where he's gonna be born, right? You pick that hospital out, you want that child to be safe. This child's born into a place where he's laid in an animal's feeding trough. That's crazy, isn't it? the humility, the humble circumstances. Now, if we stop there in verse 7, we'd be, we might be depressed. <laughs> it's kind of discouraging. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, why? Because, you know, in, in chapter 1, you know, I, know I, I asked Rebecca if you would studied chapter 1. He, she said no, but I'm, I know you've read it before. In chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And he's gonna be a king. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So you're expecting the birth of a king here. You're expecting something more dramatic. And then you, you, know, you get Mary's song, and then you get Zechariah's song, where he says that this kid is gonna bring light into darkness. He's gonna set the captives free. He's gonna fulfill Abraham's promise. This is all the stuff that's happening in chapter one. And we see he's born in this humble place. And then, so let's look at the surprising birth announcement, verses 8 through 12. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger so here's here's the birth announcement of this royal child this son of god who's going to be a king they, you know that his kingdom would never end and this term good news just to fill your imagination a little bit this is this is a term that would have been familiar at that time and it would have been used to announce the birth of a king. When a king was born, the heir to the throne, or when he ascended to the throne, good news would be published, and it would be made known to the community, to all people, especially people in high places and people of influence. It would be heralded in the streets and everywhere. This announcement's a little bit different, isn't it? From this lonely manger, this birth announcement comes to the shepherds in the field, watching over their flocks at night. And shepherds, I'm sure you've heard this before. They were not they were not honored people. They were lowly. They were not the one percent of Roman uh, culture <laughs> and uh, the Roman uh, Empire. They were they were considered dirty. They were and and, and among the Jewish people, they were defiled because. Because of their relationship with animals, they could never be clean, so they couldn't really fellowship. They were considered lowly. They weren't allowed to testify in court because they were considered untrustworthy. And this is who the birth announcement of the Son of God is coming to. And, and, and the third time here, in two chapters, we see an angel of the Lord, or a messenger of the Lord. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to the, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. This glory of the Lord, you know, it's kind of a, a strange phrase. We kind of think of it like, what, what is this, like the ooze, sort of the, sort of the, the force of God? No, in Scripture, the, the glory of God is when the presence of God comes down and God does something new. It happens when he gives the manna. It happens when he's on Mount Sinai. It happens when the tabernacle was completed. It happens when the temple was completed. The glory of the Lord, this glory cloud, it's the presence of God to do something new on the earth. And we're doing something significant. in, in, In Ezekiel, when the glory cloud left the temple, that was the sign that the judgment of God was coming to Jerusalem. So here's the glory of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. And as we've seen in the last two times we've seen the angel, the response to the angel is not like, oh, isn't he he cute? (laughs) It says that, look look what it says in in the verse there, it says, they were filled with great fear. I love what the NASB says, that says they were terribly frightened. But um, the NIV is probably the best, says they were terrified. They were scared out of their minds. Uh, they didn't know what to do, but this is what the angel says to them. It says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the good news that these shepherds are bringing that night? What is the surprising good news that this day, and try, try to imagine this, this day, this day is unlike any other day in human history. This day is unlike any other day in human history because this day God entered our world to bring peace in a way that it had not been brought yet. Unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is an incredibly surprising announcement. And you know, um, I wonder what the shepherds thought when they heard the word Savior. I mean, I think in here, in the United States in the 21st century, most people would be familiar with the term Savior. It's associated with Jesus. He's the Savior, right? And um, he's the one who comes to bring saving to the humankind. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I just wonder, what what did the shepherds think when they heard this, the Savior is coming? What did they think that meant? You know, I I probably, like when I was, and I imagine even when I was at, at, at chapel that night, Christmas Eve back in 1977, um, I, I probably thought, no, I don't really need saving, right? I don't, I mean, what, I'm a decent guy. I try to do my best. What do these shepherds think? The Savior. But then he goes on and he says, Who is Christ the Lord? And, and this declaration is filled with meaning that we must understand if we're going to understand why this is such a surprising birth announcement. He says, He is Christ, and I'm sure many of you are aware that that means the anointed one. It's the Hebrew word that is translated from Hebrew, Messiah. It means that he is anointed, and in Hebrew scriptures, prophets would be anointed, priests would be anointed, kings would be anointed. They were all anointed ones, but this is saying Christ, the anointed one the Messiah, the Christ. This is the one who would be the one that they were waiting for. He would be, as Micah the prophet said, and I imagine you probably read Micah 5 last week. Did you read that last week? Where it says that, that someone, a prophet, would come into Bethlehem and he would be from everlasting and he would shepherd his people. The Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah who would be born in Bethlehem, who would be forever. He would be the one who would sit on the throne of David forever. He would be the one who fulfilled the covenant of Abraham, who would make the God of Israel the God of the nations. And this is the Christ, the Messiah. But he's not just the Savior, and he's not just the Christ. He is the Christ who is the Lord. And uh, the angel, he wants, he wants all of us this morning and he wants everyone to be crystal clear who this child is. This third title given to Jesus, Lord, Luke has used over 20 times already in the, in the, the gospel of Luke, up just up until now. And every time, except for one, it refers to God, the Father, God. The only time different is when, when Mary visits Elizabeth, and Elizabeth speaks of the child in her womb and says, blessed are we to be in the presence of our Lord. So this word Lord means God. He is Christ the Lord. What is implied by the angel Gabriel to Mary and Elizabeth when she met with Mary is now stated clearly in this birth announcement. This is what makes the birth announcement so incredible. This Savior This Messiah who is entering the world is God himself. The eternal God of Israel. He is himself come to earth. And and, and just, I mean, you know, seriously, just take a deep breath for a second. Just stop for a second and try to get your mind around this. I think sometimes we, we run away from the Trinity and the nature of Christ as Christians in the modern world, because we, we, we sometimes are afraid to press into this mystery, but it is, it is the deepest part of our faith, brothers and sisters. This is, this is, it's, it's the most amazing thing that the Bible tells us. I remember one time I was at a conference, and uh, I, there's a wonderful theologian pastor, his name is Sinclair Ferguson, he was preaching on this, and I went down to him, and I said, I just asked him about the divinity and the humanity of Christ. And he said, and with this Scottish accent, I can't, I can't do it. He just said, you're pressing into the deepest mysteries. And it, was, it, was, it was very winsome. And, and. But this day is not like any other day in human history because on this day, God himself entered humanity. On this day, the God of Israel began the fulfillment of his promise to make the nations his inheritance. This is the day. This is, child is not just God, but he's the one true God, the covenant-keeping Holy One of Israel who fulfills his promises. That's who this baby in the manger is. That's why it's such a surprising birth announcement. So we see the surprising circumstances of his birth, and we see the surprising birth announcement, but now we come to verse 13, which is shockingly good news. We're It kind of comes together. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Do you know what a jump scene in a movie is? Anybody know what that is, a jump scene? It's kind of like when you're watching a movie and someone's sort of walking through the woods at night or in a, a dark house, you know, and it's quiet, it's perfectly quiet, and it's just like this, and then all of a sudden, the base is way up, and I won't do it to you, <laughs> but boom, something really scary happens, and it makes you jump. That's why it's called the jump scheme. Can you think of any movies like that? Well, just try to imagine this scene right here, okay? They're terrified. By one angel. And then it says, suddenly, okay, now that word means suddenly, the heavens rend open, and the heavenly host, and host means army, friends. Army of angels. Jesus said, if I called on one angel, he would deliver me. Remember, he was being arrested. If I called on one angel, he would take care of all of you guys. This is an army of angels. Armies are normally gathered to wreak havoc and war. But this is a different kind of army. They've come to sing the glories of God. Glory to God in the high. They're here to praise what is happening. They're, it's, this, is, this is a day unlike any other day in human history. At C.S. Lewis, uh, he has a poem called The Turning Tide, celebrating this moment where, where the tide of human history is turned. Enslaved in sin and death, and now hope enters the world. The, turning t- the tide has turned now with this child. It's turned from brokenness and sin to the hope of redemption. That's what these angels are singing about God's eternal plan of salvation has entered time. And the glorious truth is being declared and celebrated by the heavenly host. And you know, when you think about it, think about Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. After Jesus is introduced by John the Baptist, what does he say? He says, he came into the land and he was preaching the gospel. And he was saying, Repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ, because the kingdom of God is at hand. What is he saying? He's saying the king has arrived. He's saying what the angels are saying. He's identifying the kingdom of God has come to the earth in a new way because God's chosen king, the Messiah has come. That's what Messiah means, it's God's chosen king. And he's saying, the king is here. <clears throat> That's how he starts his ministry. And what does he do? He goes and he starts teaching about it, who he is, right? That's, he goes through teaching. He goes through demonstrating great works. He, he heals lepers. He heals on the Sabbath, showing he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He heals blind people, deaf people, mute people. He even raises the dead. And, and he, he controls nature. He's the Lord of all these things. But he at one point in his ministry, in the middle of it, he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he wants to know if they've been listening. And Peter has been listening, and we know the story. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And He says, you're right. But Then, Jesus, then Peter, he kind of gets it a little mixed up. He hadn't fully gotten it yet but we're not here to make fun of Peter because we probably would have done worse than Peter, let's be honest. But he said, I came not to bring peace through my life, but to bring peace through my death. So that's the thing that we have to see when these angels are declaring the glory of God. He hadn't yet made peace that night, but they were singing about the peace that was going to come. But it had to come through a suffering Savior. And Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, walked to that hill in Jerusalem and he suffered in our place for us. Why? Why? Because of the joy set before him. He loved us and gave himself for us. The love of God sent Jesus Christ So look, if you just have your Bibles there, just look with me in Colossians 1. I just want to show you how this Savior made peace. Colossians 1. If you have it, um, look at verse 18. Are you there with me? It says this, speaking of Jesus, for he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the child born that day. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And listen to this. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. That's how he makes peace. The one who came to lay down his life as a ransom makes peace for the earth. He brings peace. Cosmic reconciliation. That's what the angels are singing about. That's why they say glory to God in the highest. The plan of redemption is underway and the love of God is on display. And so for unto you this day in the city of David, listen to this, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let me ask you, does the way that he comes surprise you? Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ says, He's come, and he's accomplished peace. And, you know, we just read Colossians 1. Well, how, how do we receive this peace? How do we, how do we experience this peace? Because, you know, we, we look at the earth today, and we look at, I mean, I'll take the easiest thing, Ukraine, right? There's no peace in the Ukraine. You could go all, many other places. There's, a lot of, there's no peace in certain parts of our cities. And how do you get this peace? Because it says he's, he's reconciled all things, right? It says that in Colossians 1. He's, there's a cosmic reconciliation that we're waiting for when he comes back. He's going to bring that, co- and we'll get, I want to come back to that in one second, but how do we experience the experience of that cosmic peace now? Well, we go back to what Jesus said when he came out, right? Mark 1, 14 and 15. Repent and believe the gospel. That's all. We and that's what i needed to hear when i was in high school right someone needed to tell me who this child was and that i needed to turn from my own self-rule acknowledge my own sinfulness and receive the love of god expressed in christ jesus death on that cross that's how we receive the king who is announced on this day who brings peace and what happens when we do that we're reconciled to god right And we receive his Holy Spirit to live within us. And we're transformed and we're brought into a family. His family. And we are reconciled to one another. But again, let's be honest. Here this morning, I'm sure there's some of you have some brokenness in your life. We all do, right? Maybe some, there's some places you're not experiencing peace. Things you're worried about. Maybe... Someone you know is sick with a diagnosis that doesn't look good. Maybe there are circumstances in your life that just, it's hard to find peace in. You you feel that constant buzz of anxiety. Who hasn't felt that? Worry. Maybe there's a relationship someone sinned against you and you're just finding it hard to let go of your unforgiveness. Or maybe you've done something to someone else and it's hard to actually forgive yourself in some ways. I know that's a, not a biblical concept, but it's, sometimes it feels that way, right? It feels like we're, we just feel guilty and we can't get past our guilt. Well, how do we, how do we make it through when the journey is difficult? I want to just read the next passage from Colossians 1 it says and you who were once alienated this is verse 21 and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel isn't that good news? God has shed his blood so that you can be holy and blameless and above reproach. And you know what's so good about that is your sins are forgiven. You have the Holy Spirit with you. And Christ promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that he says in Matthew 28, Lo, I will be with you always. It doesn't mean that we're going to be taken out of these difficulties, but whatever you're facing this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you right now. And we forget that sometimes, don't you? I was, I was, I I was I'm doing Christianity Explored with an Iranian woman who came to Christ, and she when she came to Christ, she's just in very difficult circumstances and she she didn't feel worthy of the grace of God because she finds it really hard to trust God in the midst of her pain. And she looked at me and said, have you ever felt so bad that it was hard to trust God? And I just I, I just shared my testimony with her where I, there's a disappear in my life where it was just a dark time. And I, I just... I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and I still, I was in a place of darkness. And and through—and I wish I could tell you the whole story, but someone, an unexpected person reminded me, they said to me, these are the exact words, someone I know who loves me. They said, you've told many people to trust in Jesus, Kenneth. Why aren't you trusting in him now? And I felt the spirit just break into my heart, like just a little seed of joy in the darkness. And it, it didn't change the circumstances, but I realized Christ was with me, and I was able to experience the Spirit's ministry again and stay in His word and and continue to walk with Him through that dip trial and difficulty. And I can say, now by God's grace, I'm through that trial, by God's grace, but you might be in that trial today. God is with you in that trial. And no matter what, we always have to keep our eyes on the end because you know the reality is, Real, real trials are coming, always. And, and if, if not, even if you live the most blessed and wealthy and abundant life, we're all going to die, right? And that's the last great trial that we're going to face. This day is different from any other day because on this day, peace entered the world so you can face even the darkest times, even your own death. You know, I, I I don't think I would have got this as a new young believer when I got saved in college. I just didn't get how crazy, radical, and amazing this is. But I've I'm an old man now. It's just a reality. I look in the mirror and I say, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> and I've walked through a lot of things with a lot of people, and I've seen saints die, cross the river, John Bunyan, and Pilgrim's Progress calls it the, the icy river of death where it, it's not an easy thing to go through. But the, there's a great image there as, as Christian goes through and he starts to become afraid. The angels come and minister to him and give him strength to make it across so he gets to the celestial city. Brothers and sisters, this day makes it possible for us to look forward to that day. You see, You see your whole life differently when you understand this day. Everything changes. You no longer live for yourself. You live for him who died for you and gave himself for you. It's a totally different thing and it changes everything. So whether you're experiencing that peace right now, let me just invite you as we close to just remember what we're reading about today, this holy night. This silent night, although I doubt it was silent, <laughs> I, I always laugh when I sing that Christmas song i 'm very I 'm from New York, so I 'm a little bit critical of certain things and that that song just kind of bothers me because I know what it 's like to have small children and having one in a barn with a bunch of animals i don 't think it was a silent night i 'm just sorry I c- can't even imagine that but um, anyway um, what we're singing about here has, which we we we, <laughs> I, I, my wife and I were watching a Hallmark movie last week, and I wish I, I I wanted to just record what the lady said at the beginning. This this professional woman's giving a business presentation, and she just tells the company that she's leading with such great pizzazz, and and wondering what what Christmas is all about, and uh, I just wish it could hurt it, because. It was utter nonsense, and she gets off, and of course her friend says, you nailed it, you nailed it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But that's where our world doesn't understand this, but we do. So let's stop and just remember who was born and that this day is different from all other days because on this day, God entered our world to bring peace. And we have been saved by Jesus Christ. But, brothers and sisters, we are being saved as we walk and stand in the hope of the gospel, right? And yet, we will be saved when we finish the race and break that tape and go to be with Him. For some, maybe He'll be coming back. Most of us will break the tape in death. We don't have to be afraid. He's taken away the sting of death. Oh, sting of death. Where, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me let me close by reading Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says this for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here it is. Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And so we get the privilege now of representing this kingdom on earth, right? Not perfectly, but that's why you're here. I know you've been through a lot as a congregation, but you're here as an outpost of of this peace of God, aren't you? Remember that. Remember that, that God has you here for a purpose to encourage one another in your walk with Christ and in your mission to this community. And you know, and that's where every local church's ministry starts in its, in its community, but it extends obviously to the ends of the earth. But it's, we, sometimes I think as local churches, we forget our communities, you know what I mean? And I, I just like, just remember all the people that are out there that were like me coming in Christmas Eve. I would go to church on Christmas Eve like most people will. This is the best time of the year to invite friends out to hear the gospel. So just remember that and invite friends out to church. Invite them to hear the gospel and share the gospel with them.